something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. It's 1.56 a.m. in the zone of alienation, and you're listening to Night Call. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I am Molly Lambert, and with me here in Los Angeles is... Tess Lynch, and over in New York, we have Emily Oshida. Hi, guys. Hello. What is How up? you doing? Today, we are going to talk about the new Black Mirrors and a Chernobyl conspiracy introduced yes. to us. Uh, and first, we are going to talk about just some newsy news. Newsy some news. news. <laughs> um, you guys, you put this uh, blind item. From our problematic fave, Crazy Days and Nights, about... Okay, should I just read this? Sure. Um, Okay. The foreign-born former A-list syndicated actress turned A-list celebrity has an encryption key that was given to her by the foreign-born infamous celebrity. It will only work upon his death. I'm not sure I would want to be the one who had that key. I wonder if he disappeared for several days and couldn't contact anyone, if that would trigger it too. Uh, So this is about... Pamela Anderson and Julian Assange, allegedly. 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 I I take issue, (laughs) by the way, I really think Pamela Anderson, and apologies to Pamela Anderson, I think she is B-list. I do not think she is A-list. She's A-list name recognition. They said A-list. They said A-list syndicated. Okay, that's fair. That's an (laughs) A-minus. That is such a qualification. I really feel like she, she was A for a long time. I think we have to... But this Decker. is now she is Assange. That's true. She's <laughs> yeah. That's what's so weird. I mean, just the whole Pamela Anderson Julian Assange weird romance. Do I you know. want to call it? I wouldn't want to call. Does anybody know the full story about their relationship? No, nobody knows. That's what makes it's just it, a mysterious. It's just a they're, mysterious. They're friends. They were just a, a party together, you know. And the um, what was it? The at the embassy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cyberpunk. They met in weird rich people circles, which is mm-hmm, how yeah. all these people know each other. Um, but the idea they that met she in has... like the spa from um, from Sexy Beast. Yes. Yes. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> the idea that Pam Anderson has some kind of like a doomsday key to anything. Oh is, my god. Um, it's the, it's a very 2019. Yeah. Thing. We can't help but stand. I'm afraid. Uh, 
I, I can't stand it, you guys. No, it's bad. I don't approve of her relationship with Julian Assange, but I've been I've been forced to clarify several times that he is probably a rapist, but he also is maybe being held for things that are just about releasing info. Right. Um, right. I I hesitate to uh, promote something by my partner slash spouse on the podcast, but my my husband David did a video years ago uh, reenacting some friends. This this filmmaker did a short that was basically a reenactment of the time that Julian Assange crashed in their house for like a month. (laughs) What was supposed to be like a week and then turned into like (laughs) he kept kept getting stretched out and stretched out and he basically like was doing work on their couch and just like was filthy and like left food everywhere. I would love to see the crashing starring Julian Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's the crashing. Well, that's basically what they made and it your stars David as Julian Assange. <laughs> <laughs> you get um, typecast when you have cool white hair and yeah. know a lot about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and can just do like a, a, a totally blank affect on do you. <laughs> do you have a doomsday key to David? That's the I know, <laughs> I know. I, that's like the downside. Is that romantic? Um, Is it romantic to give someone the doomsday key Absolutely. To yeah. Yeah. What's better than trust? I think that that's like that's like the great thing about being a celebrity like on the order of a Pamela Anderson is that like sometimes you can just like find you can just trip and fall into a situation where you have a doomsday. Key. <laughs> it's like, just like her show was a VIP. Was that the one where she was a, a secret agent? Love that oh, show. By the way, syndicated A-list show. Yeah. She played like a super spy on a show that was on television late at night. Um, for discerning viewers like me, <laughs> it was a good show. It sounds a very nice. Stockings type jam. Yeah, it just um, um, it makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of the dystopian future present, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, more celebrities <laughs> from the past bringing, uh, bringing celebrity us news. dogs from the past. More like <laughs> guys. I this came to us. I put this in the doc after it was posted in the um, so Facebook good. group. So Barbara Streisand brought her three dogs who were cloned from her deceased dog to the deceased dog's grave and shared a picture of it on social media. Very odd. Very, I mean, very I think strange. it's supposed to be heartwarming. It's amazing. <laughs> but it is it is weird. Uh, it's about what you would expect. A bunch of dogs that all look the same. Well, there's a isn't. They're like a picture of the dead dogs on the grave. Yeah, it's like one of those like graves the, that has a photo, yeah. little yeah. a little circle photo in it, um, and then three triplet dogs sitting on. No, top. No, no, <laughs> two are sisters, one's a cousin. Sorry, sorry. It's okay, okay, common. all right. Yeah. And also, we should name them because their names are amazing: Scarlet, Violet, and Fanny, who were cloned from Samantha. Yes, wow. Samantha. You know what this is all preparing us for mm-hmm. is that Barbara Streisand has cloned herself. Clearly. Ooh, I don't think she'd want to be. No, so she could live on after she dies. Well, so more, she on, more on that more on later. That <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll link to this photo or put it in the show notes, um, which, uh, wink, wink, you can get if you subscribe to our Patreon. Um, always, always looking for an opportunity to plug that. Um, also in news this week, guys, first of all, a meta comment about this. Um Life science is kind of like a bullshit website, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a mishmash. In what way? It has both. In what way? <laughs> Every time Molly or Tess sends me a link from Live Science, if I'm at a computer, I will like go and search the keywords from the news story to see if it's popped up on any other like science news website. And I would say like one out of three times it does. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the Livestrong of science. Yes, like, it is the Livestrong of science. It's an aggregator. In fact, yeah. for a while, I was kind of confusing them and being like, "Huh, it's weird to just go from like lemonade to help regulate your blood sugar to like outer space." And then it's like, no, they're two different websites that are largely aggregators. You know, don't don't diss the source of the Moon Minute news. That's right. right. Those things are true. They come from space.com, another reputable science <laughs> website that everybody trusts. If you work at Live Science um, or if you are 
If you work at a content farm, I that follow does some of the science. science, the content farm scientists at yeah. from Live Science. Some of them are real, but they do also I just, post like, we're some so bullshit. Used to, we're so used to like the content farm, like the the values of a celebrity or entertainment driven content farm because we worked places like that. But the science one is such a different game. It's like the moon must be the equivalent of the Kardashians. For <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> um, anyway, this is not about the moon, though. Um, this is about Bigfoot's FBI file. Turns out the government There's some owns hairs. some hairs that some hairs. supposedly belong to Bigfoot. This is why we read live science, because it <laughs> gives us the hard news. Um, but it shows you that the FBI took it seriously enough. Which, I mean, they didn't throw out this this guy. Like, apparently, just sent them some if some Bigfoot hairs, being like, "This, these are hairs that came from Bigfoot," and they didn't throw them out. Yeah, so. they weren't like, "What a kook!" <laughs> they were like, "We must keep these in case Bigfoot kills again," which he um, obviously will. Bigfoot kills again. <laughs> <laughs> they were deer hair. Is that correct? It was but not possible I'm... to compare the hair with that of any known creature on this continent. I'm reading here. Unfortunately for Bigfoot hunters, the results weren't what they may have hoped. In 1977, the lab examined the 15 hairs. A final letter from Cochrane addressed to Howard S. Curtis, executive vice president of the AAS, read like this. Dear Mr. Curtis, the hairs which you recently delivered to the FBI laboratory on behalf of the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition have been examined by transmitted incident light microscopy. Incident okay. Light micro- also, the hairs were compared directly with hairs of known origin under a comparison microscope. It was concluded as a result of these examinations that the hairs are of deer family origin. The hair and sample you submitted is being returned. Back. Yep. So for for most of the article, they were like, the FBI was taking it very seriously with these Bigfoot See, hairs. See, that's the problem with life science, though. They that's buried the lead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like- it's... They had that science in there at the end. Um, <laughs> that letter really reads like a rejection letter from like a literary magazine. It's also, hundred percent. Isn't does. that what they would say? Right. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Roy is nodding his head because he agrees. They are yeah. trying to. It's a cover up, guys. Dear family origin. I mean, right. the fact. Hey, if Bigfoot were a giant, like you know, bear crossed with an ape crossed with a deer. You know, it would make sense. He wants to have the like the slick short hair so it can easily wick away moisture. <laughs> sure. It doesn't yeah. slow him down. It depends uh-huh. on the climate. It. Yeah. yeah. There's probably different types of fur for different uh, biomes. Speaking of biomes. Yeah. Yeah. So the world has Chernobyl fever right now. Um, I feel like we have not gotten into that. I was talking. I was talking to you guys last week and I was like. I want to watch Chernobyl. Everybody says it's so great, but I'm just like not in the headspace to watch a bunch of people puking from um, from radiation poisoning. Oh, but... you got the puke warning because I was going to say <laughs> oh, so I watched the yeah. first one, and I'm going to puke right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> so puke into this, <laughs> as anyone might do before they watch something about Chernobyl, like. Make a big old plate of food and sit down to watch Chernobyl, oh, no. and you can't. You just can't do that. You can't. That's do what that. I did I, the first yeah. time I watched Dexter, and I was like really regretting it. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, it. You will. You would regret it even more with Chernobyl. I had a really hard time. I watched the first one, and I was telling Molly before we started recording that, as with anything that's been so heralded by critics. Um, the last example of this being Horace and Pete, which, as everyone knows, you were right. Yeah, right. You were so correct. I, it's, it, I'm, I, I'm on the right side of history with that one. But it was hard because I was like, everyone loves it. Let's give it a shot. And I know that there have been a bunch of articles explaining why none of the actors are using Russian accents. Um, but I have a problem with it. I, I, it's like a mental block. Because they're using British accents. They're using British accents. They will not use they. And and it was a decision that makes sense because it came off as kind of cartoonish. It was distracting when they were trying the Russian accents. Or you could just have them have like regular Russian accents. Act, I mean, you could like, have had Russian have actors. Russian accented yeah. English. It, it just it, to me it was like so so strange. It and took you out of it. It took me out of it, and I just couldn't plow forth. I, I know that eventually that's the kind well, of thing that you get used to. You were saying also the finale 
apparently leans really heavy into the kind of Russia gate. No, I haven't seen the finale yet, but your friend Sarah was, oh, yes. was saying that, and I I could see how it would go that way. I mean, it's it's a well, it's very on, it's like on the nose from the maybe beginning. we'll get to it later at some point. The point is that a lot of people have been into Chernobyl so much so that there is now an influx of tourism at Chernobyl. Uh, people planning uh, exotic holidays to risk side of a giant yeah a side of a giant nuclear accident um and we happen to know somebody who did go to chernobyl as a tourist before it was cool just so yeah everyone before knows. it was cool before yeah she was the, a trendsetter before the show made it spike in popularity <laughs> and luckily she uh called in with some a, a tale a tale from the ground this is Amy Nicholson. I'm a film critic and an old, old friend of the beloved Bats behind Night Call. And I'm going to tell you guys about the time I took a day tour to Chernobyl. This was in 2016. So it was two years after Ukraine had their orange revolution, where like over 100 people got killed. And let me just start by giving like the quickest, most passionate shout out to visiting Kiev. It's like, it's a city you have to go if you want to go to Chernobyl. And Kiev is the greatest place I've ever been on the planet, by the way. Like, you meet um, right outside the square where the Board of Revolution was, outside of a McDonald's. And we got in this tour bus with a bunch of people, and we drove a couple hours out to um, Pripyat, to Chernobyl, where all that where all that happened. And in our tour bus, the guy who was this like young teenager, really, 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 really lovely, always making these jokes like he would point at animals in Chernobyl, and he would go, "You see that dog? It used to be a cat." that's the sort of humor and he was also playing stuff like the Chernobyl Diaries that horror film in the van oh my god we were driving up to go see Chernobyl (laughs) so he walks around all tripping out with like this Geiger counter kind of telling you where to step and he tells you like basically try to keep off the dirt try to walk on the cement you're more or less fine and the kind of things he shows you on the tour are, like, you go to villages where there's a couple people still, like, stubbornly living in the woods. You go to this river where, like, the catfish in the river were just gigantic, huge. <laughs> and my friend, I went with my best friend, Eva Anderson, and she had this granola bar. So she was, like, feeding the nuclear catfish granola bars, and they are just fucking fighting and killing for it. Um, and then you kind of realize as you're going through that, yeah, like, the true horror of Chernobyl isn't that a bunch of people died in the explosion, which, to be honest, I feel kind of dumb. I always thought that's how it was until I was actually there. And you kind of get annoyed a little bit because there's all this artful staging for photographs. You know, you go to, like, the old kindergarten, and there's all these bunk beds and, like, artful blackened baby dolls left on these bunk beds. And you're like, actually, kids didn't really sleep here, honestly. It didn't really happen. Because the explosion happened before the town took off. So you're a little bit like, all right, guys, you know, and it's very Instagram friendly, but they just kind of let you loose. Like in the old schools and the old buildings of Pripyat, where you're, like, I, I walked into a gym, and there are all these glass bricks in the gymnasium in Pripyat that was destroyed. And to get this picture of these glass bricks, I climbed through, like, a broken shell. I guess my question to you, the Nightclub listeners, is what is the weirdest place that you have been? And secondary, would you go back? I'm going to answer that really quick. Kazakhstan? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Kiev? I would buy an apartment there. Swear to God. Okay, (laughs) what about y'all? Whoa, Amy, that was such a good night call. Thank you so Amy much. Amy took us on a journey. Um, thank you so much, Amy, for calling in. Amy's a great film critic. Uh, she has a couple podcasts. She hosts a podcast called Zoom. She also hosts a podcast called Unspooled on Earwolf. So she's a she's a power podcaster. Um but, yeah. And a great adventurer. Yes. Well, she gets to go. The thing about, like, she goes on all these really exotic um, film festival trips, which is, I think, par- part of being, uh, like, a freelance critic. Like, I couldn't go to a lot of these places where they send you there and they, like, give you the trip and everything. But, like, Amy would always take him up on it. I was always so jealous because I was like, man, that's, like, so cool. That's such a cool way to see the world is by going to the film festivals of the world and, like, crazy out-of-the-way places that you would never see. She also goes places just not for film festivals. Just for fun. Right. Oh, yeah, just for fun. She is the most adventurous person I have ever known, which is why it is not super surprising she went to Chernobyl 
Can I just jump in really fast to remind you guys that I wrote about the Chernobyl diaries for Grantland? Hell yeah. It was like, I was nine months pregnant and they were like, <laughs> go see the Chernobyl diaries. And I was like, okay. So I How went. How was it? It was horrible. It was yeah. totally bleak and boring and depressing and awful. And I was so nervous I was going to go into labor and that that would somehow like color my child's whole life. But instead, I was very overdue. And it took my mom month. saw her raise her head while she was pregnant with me. Oh, of course. Oh, she my mom sense. saw Ran, Ron, <laughs> <laughs> the characters of the film. Um, anyway, so Amy wanted to know what were the most. Uh, I guess, what's the word you would use? Disturbing, maybe? Dystopian? Dystopian, yeah. Like, maybe not exactly a place that feels like a a, a bucolic getaway. Uh, It's interesting what she was saying, too, that they staged the area to be sort of what you imagine from disaster tourism. That's sort of stupid. Like, that's a little disappointing to me. Wait, but I want to know, what's the the most dystopian or weirdest place you guys have been? And would you go back? Um, I've been to Pompeii. Um, I think though, actually, like the most sort of intriguing place, or it was all, during the same trip, a long trip to Italy when I was in high school, um, is like the part of R- Rome that was like Mussolini's neighborhood, <laughs> like Ooh. the super brutalist, um, like Italo futurist, <laughs> um, neighborhood where like all of them just have this total like it's I mean it's like I feel like I said this before uh, fascist architecture is like a problematic fave of mine I like I'm so yeah yeah because you like, like brutalism I was just talking yeah. about this though fascism is camp That's it is <laughs> and I was just saying like they. I, this is so to make to take it really serious for a second but people staging like fun influencer photos or whatever in a place that was like destroyed by something really fucked up or like had right. something really fucked up happen yeah it feels like we're so f- beyond the pale with that already, you know, right. like it's going to happen anyway. And that's like if it helps bring tourism back to this area that's been so fucked over. Right. Then well, yeah. I don't know if have. the tourism is. Well, yeah. What what the doctor orders. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing about the AUR, which is the the, the, the neighborhood and on the Oscars of Rome is like. It's just a normal neighborhood. It's just like the most bizarre landscape to put. Like, I mean, it still has like you know people have like laundry lines hanging out their windows, and it's just like right. normal. Except all the buildings look like <laughs> they were rendered in a computer. Um, so it's this how, really weird clash of textures and stuff that I think is like kind of. That's fun. how I feel about those weird condo blocks they put everywhere here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. fascist brutalism. Fascist, oh yeah. yeah, fascist twee brutalism. Yeah, and like the paint will wear off, and then it'll just be brutalism. Can I tell you the worst place I've ever been? Worst? Yeah. I think I've talked about this before. Is Onion Town? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's in Dutchess County, I think, um, New York, mm-hmm. and it is a community of people who are very hostile to outsiders. You said it's like the place for making a murderer. It's like a yes, but then there was there was someone went in and took a video um, driving through Onion Town, and then visitors were attacked and stuff. That but was I grew scariest. up not far. Yeah, that was the scariest place, and I would never go back. Because some real also like, because like I don't want to. Ma- I feel yeah, bad yeah, for yeah. them. You don't want to get in a chainsaw yeah. massacre. Yeah, an Onion Town chainsaw massacre. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about that place, that town, like, uh, about an hour outside of L.A. that, like, smells horrible, but it's where all the onions come from. Oh, I don't um, know about that you place. You know what? It's on the, on the five. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on the name, but it's, like, by Los Baños. It's, like, it smells terrible. Onions. Does it smell like onions? It, no, it, feels, it smells like cow shit. Like, oh, like okay. that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, what was your terrible place? My, it's not terrible. I mean, it is terrible, but it's also like interesting, weird, uh, which is Jazzland, which I also, I think, wrote about for Grantland once. It was where they filmed Jurassic World, but it's an abandoned Six Flags in Ooh. New Orleans mm. that got destroyed by Hurricane Katrina and then just went back to nature. Oh, so yeah. it's yes. totally just a swamp now, and it is really. It's like sort of the things you see in the Chernobyl pictures. It's like a giant Ferris yeah. wheel with like, you know, vines, vines growing all oh, over yeah. it. Um, but they've started using it for filming because they film so much stuff in Louisiana now. And they, I guess, make it possible to film there. But it still seems terrifying to me because it's literally covered in snakes and alligators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The abandoned theme park thing is like good. Like the Spree Park in Berlin 
Um, yeah. There was like also on a list. We talked about the dome homes last week. That was like on a list. I found that on a list that also had the Spree Park on it because it's right. like. It's like beautifulabandoned.com. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and like also it got shut down because the owners like tried to smuggle like some insane amount of cocaine yes. into Germany or something. It's like one of these insane stories. I think um, things like that, it gives you a glimpse of the post human future. And right. that's why yeah. it's not just depressing because yeah. you're like, oh, actually, like things grew back here. And totally. uh, yeah, the Six Flags was Nature on fire wins. yesterday here in Los Angeles. It was oh, almost on yeah. fire. Um, Everything's on fire. Oh, really? It's suddenly very, very hot. Yeah. It, it became Boy. like 90 degrees. Can overnight. I tell you guys briefly about a Chernobyl uh, conspiracy that I learned about from Amy, who Please learned about do. it from this film festival? So there's a thing in the Chernobyl area in the city that I can't say the name of correctly. Priot? Mm-hmm. That is like a giant radio transmitter in the in a water body of water um, that was supposed to either send out or block like secret radio signals for the Russians. Um, and it's called the Russian Woodpecker by everybody who I don't know if that was the nickname they were given uh, or if it's a colloquialism. But mm-hmm. there is a conspiracy theory among the Ukrainians who live around Chernobyl and there's a documentary about it called The Russian Woodpecker where the conspiracy is basically that the Russians like did did the Chernobyl meltdown on purpose in order to cover up that the uh, Russian woodpecker was not working correctly or had not worked. Can Mm -hmm. I briefly say that so this was it's technically called the Duga or Duja radar. It was called the Russian woodpecker because it would interrupt radio broadcasts with a tap, a loud tapping noise that sounded like a woodpecker. And so it interrupted like all sorts of different kinds of radio broadcasts. So people were just kind of randomly just subjected to this tap, 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 tap. And so when they started talking about it, they started coming up with conspiracy theories about what it could be. Right. Mind control, weather control. We'll post a picture of it, too. It is like this giant sort of weird monolith Mm -hmm. in the water. It's very weird looking. It looks like a total alien structure. Um the documentary, the theory is not true. It's sort of a 9-11 conspiracy parallel. It's like it's it's like a Chernobyl was an inside job conspiracy. Right. It's mm-hmm. like Chernobyl was an inside job so that the Russians could fuck over the Ukrainians mm-hmm. because they don't care about the Ukrainians and they needed someone to blame for the thing not working. But the documentary, which I haven't seen yet, but Amy said is great. Apparently, it's just really interesting because it follows a guy who believes this to be true. And it gets just into sort of the history of relations between Russia and the Ukraine Mm -hmm. and how fucked up it is. So they're like, the Ukrainians do have a lot of resentment towards the Russian government for like how they were treated. Um, And there is a lot of weird, interesting stuff going on under the surface. Everybody flew to England this week. We flew to England. We didn't need to fly to England, but we still flew to England for old time's sake. For anyone who um, doesn't know why we say that, it's because when we talked about Black Mirror many years ago, it was not available to be watched to, in the U.S. before it was you acquired You had to go on a Russian uh, s- satellite service to watch <laughs> to So watch we all it. used to fly to England, but now yeah. we just re- reminisce about our flights to England and watch it. In the U.S., um, but yes, good old Netflix. We love Netflix, Netflix so much. All uh, hail our leader, Netflix. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I wanted to talk about these new episodes with you guys because, for old times' sake, we always used to talk about Black Mirror and the hoodies days. Also, because I think that these are pretty good. I think we all do. I loved them. Yeah, I've been kind of out on on the Netflix era of of Black Mirrors. I didn't even watch Bandersnatch just because I don't know it, it just felt like such a stunt and I just I, I I did not see how I was going to have a good time watching it um I think that a lot of the I feel like a lot of the Netflix ones have been kind of a like they felt like fan fiction like yeah I've, I've just been a little bit out on the Netflix era was with a couple exceptions but a lot of them kind of just felt like kind of rushed fanfic or like a kind of uh, not as interesting idea of, of of what Black Mirror ought to be or at least what it was for those first two um, UK only seasons. 
And like, I don't know. I was not a fan of stuff like Nosedive where it's just like, guys, we're so sucked into the rating system on everything. What if the rating system was all of society? The show can do that kind of maximalism, like let's blow up like one one aspect of, of modern living and, and imagine if it was like truly everything. Like 15 Million Merits, the one with the bikes is one of my favorite Black Mirrors. <laughs> but I think that these, I think the Black Mirror at its best is sort of just like, it's kind of like, I was describing this to somebody else. It's like a can opener. Like Black Mirror is like a tool that like lets you access a discussion about something through fiction you know, like, which should be, like, all speculative fiction, but I think that Black Mirror tends to do it particularly well with, like, contemporary issues. And it's just become, like, cool to rag on it because, or, like, make it, like, talk about it like it's more alarmist than it is, um, or really, like, assign, like, a really scoldy tone to it that I don't yeah, think is always there. Yeah, people who are too cool, I don't understand people who are too cool for Black Mirror. Yeah, Before we start talking about Black Mirror, we would like to issue a stern warning that if you have not watched the three new episodes that are available on Netflix now, please don't listen to this next segment until you have. There will be tons of very serious spoilers, and we don't want you to get mad at us. Thank you. I've been super into almost all of the Black Mirrors, even the ones that I didn't like that much. And I really actually liked Nosedive a lot, but I think Crocodile may have been... Like uh, some of the really Ugh, bleak yeah. ones are, have been hard to swallow. The ones that is just like punishing yeah. right. you. Like that's that's when people make fun of Black Mirror, they're thinking of yes. those episodes. And I think those are the least interesting episodes. And that's what was good episodes. about these was it was like he was responding to the criticism and being like, I'm just going to make like two of them are fun and one of them is not as fun and it's probably the least good one. I, I Well, we should say that first off, there are three in this season because Bandersnatch took so much time mm-hmm. and the three are Striking Vipers, um, Smithereens and Rachel Jack and Ashley too which we briefly talked about last week because Molly had seen it. Um, but now we've all, now seen, we've all it. seen it. I did not like Smithereens, which I believe was also the longest one. And It is very long. Yeah, and the o- one of the only Black Mirrors, if not the only one, that was not set in the present or very near future. Instead, it was set one year in the past. And it had, instead of kind of being... Mm-hmm. In this like weird geo, you know, geographic location that doesn't quite exist and seems like you threw a bunch of places in a blender. It was set in London. Um, and I I felt like that was more on the kind of preachy like it was preachy. It, it, it's kind of like a PSA about don't text and drive. Oh, see, I didn't but not it had, see it that way at all. Oh, like, really? No. I have to say the performance by Andrew Scott He's was so, so amazing good. that I still yeah. ended up enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. It's a really um, incredible performance. My husband um, was comparing it to Andrew Cunanan um, in Versace. He was like, it's just so like oh. explosive and natural. And like he has such a huge range in it. And it's he really like drives it and propels it. So it's still really good. Yeah. I think the performance is what helps it for me, helps it not just be a PSA about not texting and driving because you don't. You don't get that's a bit of a spoiler. You don't realize that that's sort of like been the place where his life went off the rails until sort of late is that he was in a texting and driving accident and his fiance was killed in it. This guy who's holding a an intern from a Twitter like company like he's basically. Yeah, he's holding a Twitter intern hostage. He's an Uber driver and he he like drives out to the country with this kid and is just uh, holding him hostage until he can talk to Jack, essentially, played by Topher Grace um, on the phone. I think Smithereens for me, because of that, like very, it almost felt like a kind of palate cleanser, which is a weird thing to say because it was like a very dark and kind of uh, rough hour plus. But it felt like such a return back to like, very contemporary concerns like it wasn't this big like what if we were all on stationary bikes that we had to bike on so that we could be on American Idol? like it was just such a simple idea and I think it really like reflected how people feel now about technology and how they feel about people who have all the power that a person like a a Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey have and that frustration and like kind of just feeling like this bug like under the foot of these tech giants that could just like have this all like enormous power they can wield that felt incredibly real and human to me so I liked it for that um it is too long but I I thought that was really well done also another toe for grace performance as a, a shitty douchebag no I was saying like David Duke and Jack Dorsey <laughs> oh so and under the silver lake and under the silver lake and under the silver lake too yeah yeah he's played he's played a lot of like just sort of 
hapless but awful people like i think topher grace brings such an accessibility to those characters maybe that's why he gets that's what's horrifying Um, about the performance then is that like the moment where he's like look i didn't like he just has the zuckerberg line of like look i just invented this in a dorm room like i didn't think it would be all this thing it's totally on my control and it's like you want to feel like sorry for him for a second then you're like no wait (laughs) shut up (laughs) well he's just so hapless that he's like the last person that you would want in control of anything and obviously like he feels overwhelmed they all look created it they all look like wussy guys you could punch out yeah um i have to say my favorite of the three episodes was striking vipers um which is about two best friends or good friends, I guess, who play video games together and then end up kind of in a romantic entanglement via virtual reality. On a Mortal Kombat type game. Yes. Um, Their avatars have sex, but then in real life, they are not attracted to each other. And um, one of them, Anthony Mackie, has a wife and child and, you know, he feels very conflicted. Uh, I thought it was such a great, portrayal of virtual relationships um, and how those sometimes exist only on the virtual plane and don't transcend that at all. Uh, and I thought it was like a really nuanced handling of it. Yeah. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is so great. good. I love Let's him so much. Let's take this much. moment to appreciate Pain and Gain. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's so good <laughs> yeah, in Pain totally. and Gain. Everybody's so good in Pain and This gain. was such a yeah. different kind of performance for him. It was so yeah. subdued. He's I, so believably depressed. Yeah, You know? Like... I don't know. He, I, I think I, this has been one that I have th- thought about more than most other Black Mirror episodes, even ones that I really like a lot. Like this one is really stuck in my mind. And I think it's also funny. It's funny. And it's like I want the I want the Mortal Kombat S game where there's an option to just kiss like, <laughs> like please. I would like to play that. Um, but the response to it, like there's been like a totally like homophobic or like like gay panicky type response to it like oh when your friend says like you want a game like and you and you freak out and it's that 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 gif of like uh jordan peele sweating like that kind of thing it's just like that kind of shit and and i think like there have been some points made by people that it's like why can't they just be gay together why does it have to be this thing that they like i don't know that you fit into your you, you have like a hall pass or something for it but i don't know i think it's such an interesting question of like yeah i thought it was about future sexualities yeah it's like like, new it's it's a totally new thing right i was like it's about people who can't even like they don't know how to qualify it because it's like not something that exists in real life at all to me it was sort of like like i feel like you talked about this before on the show about how the matrix written by the wachowskis sort of as an exploration of like identity in virtual reality right Mm -hmm. uh maybe more about how that affects identity in real life this is just about like you can do whatever you want in virtual reality but does it count well i was talking with our la producer roy about this because he is a virtual reality person who knows a lot about it and he was like i didn't know i didn't feel like it was very realistic and i thought my take on it was that it was a way to show relationships that form online, usually through pros like message boards, emails. Mm-hmm. But because there's no real way to show that dramatically or to like make that, you know, theatrical and interesting to watch, that they decided to use VR like street fighting games because that's, you know, that's kind of like a more theatrical presentation of right. just how relationships form in this kind of like disembodied world. Yeah. And it can't be them because it's not that you're they're even attracted to each other physically. It's mm-hmm. like, what if you kissed in a Mortal Kombat game? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And it, it reminds me of people I know of like had like, you know, long distance flirtations or something with somebody that they only email with or they only, they only text with or, or, or even FaceTime with or whatever. And like, how it, there's always something different about it when you're in person. And sometimes that's, it's still there. And sometimes it's not. And right. It's like, the like heightened- this is just, like a heightened version of that. Yeah, yeah, it's like the heightened intimacy of talking to people online, which can yeah. totally be false. Yeah. Also, you feel like yeah. you know somebody from interacting online, but you don't. Well, I think that I would say that this kind of posits that it's not false, but that it's different. Like that their yeah. you know, yeah. personas are no less real, but that they just don't exist in a physical sense. And that yeah. a person can have an avatar that is them, but nothing like their physical. It's also good because and the enjoyment is totally real. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it and it doesn't condemn it. That's what also made it good. Yes. It not, it 
didn't at the end be like everybody fucked up and is a terrible person and horrible things are going to happen to them, which is what you expect from a Black Mirror mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, yeah. It sort of had like a happy ending where, they, yeah. you know, well, spoiler alert. Well, they, it just says that it, you're allowed to have both lives, that that both your online life and your real life can be can exi- can coexist if you balance them well. The question is, you know, either like if you completely block it out, then are you denying yourself pleasure? But if you completely commit to being online all the time, then, you know, can you really be happy? And so if you yeah. can find a balance, which is like obviously a real issue that we all kind of face, it's uh, impossible to find. But if you can... Is it possible to have people kind of accept that as as a healthy choice for lifestyle? I think the one reason it kind of I thought the end was a little bit tragic is just because like both of them at different points, you know, acknowledge the fact that they've never had anything that felt this good. You Mm -hmm. know, no relationship, no, you know, intimacy has ever felt as good as making out as Mortal Kombat characters. Um, But is that also like the cheating high? Like, is it just... Because Maybe, they're but... doing something taboo. It's like people... Yeah. Because there was also... It seemed like it was a little bit going into the like... Is it cheating to like pay a cam girl or whatever? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, like, I mean... I don't know. It's interesting. That's why I was good. Yeah. I, I Again, like I, I, I'm still thinking about this one. I think I think it's become like a punchline really quickly ever since it, it came out. But I think it's like one of the most kind of thought provoking. Well, it's also the best time. troll on gamers in the history of the <laughs> of world. Course. We yeah. love Charlie Brooker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it's perfect. I mean, he loves video games. He, yeah. He's a total gamer. That's the yeah. hilarious thing. <laughs> he's Brooker. like, here's the subtext of all of the rest of every wrestling game. Right. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, fighting game. The last one is uh, is the one that we discussed briefly. The um, Rachel Jack and Ashley too. The, the Miley Cyrus one, as it will probably be known more commonly. Um, this is probably my least favorite of the three of them, but I still thought it was like pretty silly and fun. <laughs> I didn't hate it. It was just like deeply silly. I loved it. You said it was like a, a shoujo manga. Yeah. I, like, I mean like perfect. all this like all the hijinks of it and like driving around a car that looks like a mouse to rescue <laughs> your favorite pop star is like something that would happen on Sailor Moon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and some of that stuff too, I was like, I feel like whenever we complained about like what if Stranger Things was just about like some girls going on adventures, right. you know, I was like, ooh, yeah. girls going on an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like things are so depressing in the world. Like, I was just expecting something so bad to happen. Oh, it was set. There were many kind of avenues it could have taken. I was waiting for something horrible to happen. And then when it didn't, I totally was so happy and Well, as soon as you see teenagers and technology together, especially in Black Mirror, you feel like you know where it's going. Just the tone is always, it's like suspenseful. It's suspenseful. And and the fact that, you know, artificial intelligence and like a pop star, I mean, all of that kind of the free Brit movement really being tied to this episode of Black Mirror and having the timing be kind of strange. The with timing that, Miley, is like, say like a, do a Free Britney shout out at a show or was that somebody else? Oh, did she? I don't know. But I mean, Free Britney. Yeah, Free Britney for sure. <laughs> um, we waffled um, on this, but now we can say now that Britney's well, in the Free Britney movement. I think it was just like I, this is what I said to somebody because I was like, to me, it was a little bit like San Junipero where it was like. Maybe it is sort of like an escapist fantasy, but like that's what we need sometimes. You know, you only ever see like tragic lesbian relationships in TV shows to sort of have an episode where it like ends kind of happily. It just felt really good. And then I felt the same way about this. I was like, you only ever see like the pop star like self-destructing or horrible things happen just to see them escape. It was like very cathartic and nice. (laughs) I thought the I thought the part that I I think the second half is where it gets like it just becomes like high camp for me and it's like enjoyable. But also I kind of disengage a little bit. The first half where she where Rachel has the um, has the Ashley two like you know Amazon Echo type device, and it's feeding her all this you know positive you can do it um, like if you believe in yourself type messaging and basically convinces her to enter this talent show, um, dancing to an Ashley two song, which is of course disastrous. Uh, that I thought was interesting. I thought like it's kind of taking empowerment rhetoric type thing and like turning that into like a personal advisor for you if you're a child 
mm-hmm. um, like embodying it in that, which is like totally what those songs are. Yeah, I mean, totally like, what Hannah Montana was all songs like that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And it's just so funny. You can pitch shift a song and do a major key and it becomes so a totally funny. different song. Yeah. That was the so thing. <laughs> that's to me what also made it work so well is that it is a hit on a roll. Is the summer hit. The night call summer oh, hit. We should just say for anyone who didn't, who missed this discussion last week or hasn't seen the episode, and also if you haven't seen these episodes again, I apologize for spoiling. Uh, but this was had like a hole by Nine Inch Nails yes. turned into I'm on a roll achieving my goals. I'm on a roll <laughs> achieving my goals. Doesn't it start out that the I'm a hoe? Hot. I'm a hoe I on a roll? I think it says, I think she <laughs> says had like a hole because I thought about it. I saw the episode early and then I like, couldn't talk about it with anybody and it was yeah. all I wanted to talk about especially that specifically it's like, but just like I'm so like it's the 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 cadence of it is so off it's so funny because yeah. it's, it's like so funny. ambition and verve I'm gonna <laughs> get what I yeah it takes a minute to realize what it is and yeah. then you're like yeah. oh you just make any song in a major key yep um, so it is silly. like a joke I have heard about how you can turn any Christmas song into a Hanukkah song by putting yeah, it in minor a minor key. key. <laughs> <laughs> Music um, theory yeah, here on Night one. Call. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think that this one is like, it, it was a good one to go out on just because it's like, it feels like kind of the, the blockbuster <laughs> of the three of them in a way. Yeah. Like it's a big adventure. Um, I, But yeah, I, I, I feel like, these it's three, silly. maybe maybe they need to go back to just doing three episode yeah. batches because like they had good. they felt more considered all three of them yes. instead of just being like let's think of another like apocalyptic computer scenario. It like they're all yes. they're all they all have their own sort of thing that they're working on and thinking about instead of like what if you had to kill a baby like right. <laughs> <laughs> and striking vipers too was almost I mean it was complex it mm-hmm. also did a great job the uh nicole behari played the wife like they also oh, did a great so job good. of yeah. making her very sympathetic yeah you felt for everybody in the situation um well that's and that's like the the what's it called the entire history of you i thought that mm. that that episode like a classic black mirror episode was you know the first time we really could see the full potential of that of just like introducing a bad idea into a bunch like for a bunch of flawed people to mess with that we all ultimately feel sympathetic for in some way or another because we can same see with i'll be right them. back I would yeah, say. yeah, totally. yeah. I feel like yeah. some of them are like, "What yeah, if? Absolutely. What if technology is good?" A well, that's. Bit. <laughs> the, I think. I think that's what they. The really great episodes all have in common, and I think it's you a know, double-edged Black Mirror. It's a double. Yeah, exactly. It's a. Yeah, it's a, exactly. Uh, but I mean, I think striking vipers uh, they use the same vr technology across you know in the whole black mirror universe of like a temple sticker that you know your eyes kind of cloud over and roll back in your so head scary. which is so scary and then i think my issue with smithereens is that i think that gets across what technology does to people for better or worse so much more effectively than you know a shot of people looking at their phones reading tragic news putting it away which right. is it's, the, you know it's true the metaphor for the thing yeah works better than the thing itself exactly i, I feel like the thing itself just seems like brooker is really well it's also really boring to show people on their phones you're right exactly. it's just like uncinematic and to show people it would be cooler if we put a little dart in our brain and mm-hmm. like <laughs> and then we just looked like totally passed out and and yeah like halfway halfway dead and halfway like ecstatic it's just yes like this, yeah it's an we interesting watch brain image. candy. Yeah. Ooh, we should watch brain candy. Yeah. Another predict before it's time. Yeah. Predictor. <laughs> Thanks um, for listening to Night Call. If you have any blah blah. If you've had any strange journeys that you would like to tell us about, please give us a call at 240 night. Or if you had any interesting reactions to these new Black Mirrors or any Black Mirrors that you that we haven't discussed, let us know. Give us a call. You um, can also email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on social media. Twitter is nightcallpod. Instagram and Facebook are nightcallpodcast. And support us on Patreon. We're on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash nightcall. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to show notes. You can... 
subscribe to our book club podcast, which we are recording the first one this week. And it should be out by the time you hear this. I can't remember how dates work, but I think it'll be out by the time you hear this. Uh, Our first book club is for Valley of the Dolls, and we're super excited to share that one with you. And we'll be announcing another book soon for July. So stay tuned for that. Um, And yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and review, preferably a five-star one. Yeah. And when we hit our $2,000 goal, we're going to do a live call-in show. So please help us get there. We will try to sing on a roll together (laughs) from memory. We'll do the the dance. And thank you so much to everyone who supported us so far because we're really close to 2,000, which is amazing. Yeah. Thanks everyone who supported us. We really appreciate it. This is the very earnest part of Night Call where we say we really do appreciate everybody supporting the show. We are just... And it's been such a good way to like hear from everybody just, you know, through people who have reached out to us on the Patreon and, um, you know, talking about, you know, our our newsletter that came out this month and... um, and all the other stuff that we've been doing in addition to the podcast. Yeah, we got mixtapes. The mixtapes. Um, yeah, it's just been cool to hear from all you guys and find new ways to interact with you. So it's been fun, and we hope to keep doing it. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. <laughs> Achieving our goals. Achieving our goals. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.